generation is a moving target. We're now transitioning into Gen Z and then into what they're going to be calling the alpha generation. And uh, they'll, they'll have different needs and our presentation is going to be different. It's going to have to be different if we want to stay uh, relevant and contemporary and able to communicate timeless Judaism to our audiences. Welcome to Beyond the Book Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Wogelander. Each week, I invite you to take a journey with me to take a look at what happens beyond a range of books and what inspires some of today's great Jewish authors. If you're an author, or if you know an awesome author who would like to come on the show, please reach out to me at info at intentionaljew.com. This podcast is sponsored by Intentional Jew Podcast Network. Today's guest, I have with me Rabbi Ram Edelstein. He's the uh, education director of Nevei College for Women, founder and director of the Neural Elef Institute, is a, an executive mentor to Olami. He is a fascinating and amazing educator. And the reason why I call him an amazing educator is because I feel that um, in this conversation, I saw that he had his finger on the pulse. He not only from a intellectual, uh, philosophical uh, approach of how to do outreach and how to do education, but he's on the ground in Nevei. And he really knows what's going on in terms of outreach. So we're going to discuss, obviously, his career in outreach. We're going to talk about his two amazing books, The Laws of Outreach and the newest book, The Human Challenge, Being Jewish in the 21st Century. Uh, I think these two books are amazing that they're just two sides of the same coin. You have on the one side, The Laws of Outreach, speaking to the outreach practitioner. And then you have on the other side to the the part of all of us that needs uh, outreach in and of itself, and that's the human challenge. So we discuss the book, we discuss how he's launching the book, and we discuss why these uh, why these things are important to him. So I hope you enjoy, and without further ado, Rabbi Edelstein. Uh, thank you for joining me, Rabbi Edelstein. You're welcome. It's my privilege. If you could give us a, um, a little bit on... on who you are, uh, what you do, but but more importantly, like how does how do the things that you do and the experience that you had really from the beginning of your life until now, how has that affected the? But all, your both of your books, how has that affected sort of the trajectory of, of where your writing goes? I have uh, been in outreach for most of my adult life. Um, I went after high school to the South African Army, which was compulsory for a year. Um, I did. Uh, a degree, and uh, then I learned for many years in yeshiva and kailal. Um, and then I went into outreach uh, in several different positions, and uh, that's defined my adult life. Um, at uh, one point, uh, I became the CEO of what's known as All of Me for 10 years, and uh, I was privileged through that framework to see many, many different communities. Um, around the world and their needs and what uh, what moves them um, and uh, and their leaders and uh, what the needs of those leaders are and um, the two books addresses two very large gaps um, one uh, a gap of uh, written material for the leadership which is the laws of outreach um, for for outreach rabbis essentially um, uh, is my targeted audience and uh, uh, and indeed the, the major purchaser and, and readership. 
Um, and a second book, which is um, The Challenge of Man, which was a book that I was looking for in the context of my job as the educational director at Nabe Yushalayim, uh, a school for uh, young women, usually in their mid-20s, uh, usually post-degree, uh, at least first degree, who are coming um, to Israel either to explore Judaism on a serious basis, in other words, they're not necessarily committed um, to observing uh, mitzvot, uh, but they're exploring on a serious basis, or people after the initial stages of their commitment and they want to fill in the gaps of their knowledge. And I was looking for a book that um, would provide an overview of Judaism in a, in a, I'll call it a non-traditional way. In other words, there are outstanding books like Rabbi Donan's To Be a Jew, um, which provide um, an overview in the way you'd anticipate, um, which means going through all the, the fundamentals and it includes uh, Shabbat and keeping kosher and the festivals, etc. cetera. Um, but that's not how we teach it in the way. That's not how uh, Or Sameach introductory program teaches it. That's not how Asha Torah teaches Judaism. We don't, um, we approach it more kind of in a set of concentric circles um, with, the, with the starting point being more the, the inside story, the philosophy, what we call the Hashkatha of Judaism, uh, and uh, only later on moving towards the traditions and the customs, giving a context to them. Now, historically speaking, these books were written for each one uh, for their generation. Uh, the most famous being Rav Shinshin Rafael Hirsch's Choreb in the last two centuries. We can go further back to other books that were written. Um, Herman Wook in his time wrote a bestseller uh, called This Is My God, which is an outstanding book. Um, the feeling was that um, we need a 21st century book. Um, I make no claims to uh, comparing myself to, to those greats, um, but uh, I definitely had ongoing contact with students who um, were looking and needed such a book. Uh, and uh, in the absence of its existence, I wrote it myself. Um, I don't define myself as a writer. Um, I uh, define myself as an educator, as a doer. Um, but um, I, I undertook a task. I think everybody who writes a book has two qualities. One, they grossly underestimate the amount of effort involved. Otherwise, <laughs> they would never do it. And um, uh, to allow them to do the little bit of inkling they have into how much it involves, they have to be a little bit mad. So uh, I do lay claim to both elements. Uh, I underestimated and I am a little bit mad. It's, it's so interesting. It's so interesting when you say you don't define yourself as a, um, as a writer, but, but rather as an educator. In my just short journey here of, of um, talking to authors, there are, like I see some of them are like, you know, I'm an author, I, I, I like write books, and then I find things to write about. And it's so interesting the different types of books that the self-defined, you know, author and the self-defined educator, what they're going to write. And I think it's apparent, obviously, in your books that both books are like just 
either side of a coin, but they're the same, the same education, the same trying to teach the same kind of lesson. That's fascinating. Yes. Um, when, you, know, yes. you mentioned something interesting. You said it's not the, the Judaism that we teach. And you said the, the royal we, and you, then you mentioned, you know, Aisha, Sameach, and Neveh. So I'm wondering, how do you see all of these different, you know, these different parts of the outreach um, efforts working together that you call them, that you call them we? There's definitely um, synergy between, between all aspects of the, of the outreach movement, even where um, these synergies are not directly coordinated. Um, I have spoken to thousands of North American students on campuses. Um, and um, one of my questions to these students, I visited uh, many tens of, of campuses, uh, many of them repeatedly. Uh, one of my questions to them would be, uh, so where do you go for your for your Judaism? And um, a standard answer might be, well, I go to Chabad on Friday night because that's where the scene is. Uh, I go to Hillel because I'm looking for leadership uh, and uh, they have this and this committee where I sit on or I'm the chair. Um, and I go to whatever it might be, an Olami organization, um, uh, for uh, for classes because they have the best classes. The, I'm not giving you a definitive answer. I'm just giving you an, an, an example. Uh, now, uh, these organizations might not see themselves necessarily, it, go, it, it differs campus by campus, as actively coordinating their efforts, but they're definitely contributing, all of them, to the Judaism of this particular individual. Um, and, and hence they are synergists to each other. So um, we're, all, we're all under one big umbrella, uh, however, however we want to define it. Very refreshing, obviously from, from my background, just as being in growing up in that, that way, um, that you see that all the different parts that lead up and that uh, make up Judaism is. So that's, uh, it's super refreshing to hear that. In terms of like when, when you're talking to the uh, professional outreach, the, the outreach professional, you wrote a book called The Laws of Outreach. And did you feel that that was like skipping a step of, you know, the how-tos? Or is that what you teach? That's what Nerla Aleph is teaching. So the, the how-tos, how to teach is being taught. And what's missing is the laws. It's a difficult question because the how-tos is an open-ended uh, thing. Um, it's, we're never done with the how-tos. Um, I tell my staff here at Neve, we're going to get this right. And as soon as we get it right, we're going to have to change again uh, because the generation is a moving target. We're now transitioning, if you like, right, uh, from, uh, uh, you know, Gen Z to, well, into Gen Z and then into what they're going to be calling the alpha generation. And uh, they'll, they'll have different needs and our presentation is going to be different. It's going to have to be different if we want to stay uh, relevant and contemporary and able to communicate um, timeless Judaism to, uh, to our audiences. So, um, so those kinds of things are, are best dealt with in blogs, in seminars, in training programs, in conferences. Um, 
to bring out such a book would be to condemn that book to being outdated uh, in a very short period of time uh, and and hence not uh, not the right format the right forum to uh, to present uh, those kinds of ideas whereas the halachas even though they too change because the halachas are addressing um, issues and generations which are changing uh, not that the halachas themselves uh, change, but the the situations are changing. Uh, nevertheless, that um, is is much more difficult to present on a piecemeal basis. Uh, it requires much more uh, of a, an effort to lay it out in a way which is understandable and uh, comprehensive at the same time. Uh, it was one of the challenges of this book that I was writing a book for an outreach person who might have learned in yeshiva for just a few years, um, uh, as well as for somebody who might have had many, many years of studying under his belt. And um, I had to present it to both so that it would be contemporary, uh, interesting, uh, captivating, uh, and sufficiently in depth. Uh, but that's why I jumped to the halacha book and uh, I've certainly written many, many blogs, primarily for Olami resources, uh, but for other forums uh, on on the other parts of the subject that you're addressing. And have you seen already since you've written the book that that uh, the application or new scenarios have crept in since since writing that? To some degree, uh, I, I've certainly I've certainly got a lot of feedback, and uh, some of the feedback has been well, you should have stressed such and such more, it's a bigger issue uh, than you make out in your book, or, or um, you know, you've forgotten a certain area, or having to do with halachic emphasis, you know, one of the most difficult things here is um, you would have, for example, a response of Ramosha Feinstein, and one would research that response, and let's say it was written in the 50s and the 60s, and it looks like an outreach response, but when you see exactly who he wrote it for, it was for an Orthodox community that was drifting further away. Um, and now what do you do with that? What is that speaking to this question or is it speaking to a different answer? So as time goes on, um, certainly what happens is that uh, in an area like this, more, much more so than in other areas, the contemporary Poisek has uh, a much stronger role to play. Um, and uh, as a result, uh, I did a lot of door-to-door um, uh, -door research, call it, going to speak to, to actual Poiskim about issues, um, which is much more necessary for a book of this sort than any other book. Um, it's necessary for any book, but it was particularly necessary for this book. Now, I have no doubt that uh, this book will date at a certain point. It's either going to have to be updated or uh, or somebody else will come along and, and, uh, and write a, a more up-to-date version, a newer, um, more contemporary version of, of what I produced. Did you find that the feedback, that, I mean, the readership of this book was the intended readership? It was uh, outreach professionals or were you surprised that somebody somebody else had read it. It did have a broader audience than I, than I intended. Um, but there's no question that the primary readership remained the, um, the outreach rabbi. Now, when I say the outreach rabbi, that rabbi might be a rabbi of an outreach synagogue, 
uh, he might be a part of an outreach cradle, um, an out-of-town cradle, he might be a campus rabbi, he might be a rabbi for YPs, but essentially he's engaging an audience that uh, is further out in, in Judaism and, and hence many of the questions uh, that uh, he has were addressed in, in this book. There is a whole book's worth at least of questions that I didn't address at all. Um, um, that's a volume two, which I don't, I'm not very optimistic about ever getting to write, <laughs> given my time constraints. Yeah, so just areas I know, entire areas that, that either are, are more sensitive, more complicated um, areas, of, for example, of conversion and, and Yichu's status, Jewish status, I did not address in my book at all. Right. And you have so many various scenarios within that, that's, you know, all the different the different nuances. And then when they come to you and they're very excited about Judaism and they've they have this background, this this certain type of ichos, that's uh, yes. the challenges are great there as well. That, yes. I, that could be its own book. <laughs> right. That'll that'll be a book of, of stories of of Neve, a book I suspect that cannot be written because the subject matter would be too personal but that's fascinating because you still see meaning you're still on the um on the front lines you're not just sitting in a classroom you see these girls and you see these um these scenarios play out in front of you every day in neve yes yes I do. that's fascinating um and what how do you think things have changed over the last year in terms of the uh the state of Kirov, let's call it, in the world? The question really is not what happened over the last year, but what will happen in a post-corona era. And um, uh, I was asked this question by um, the head of a major Kirov organization recently, um, somebody who's trying to wrap his head around what changes he should be making and uh, consulted with me. Um, and I made it very clear that um, online Zoom, for example, um, would have to be uh, an element amongst elements in the in the total outreach efforts. It could not be a standalone, um, and uh, and that in that context, what needs to be considered is whether the personality of the Makarov. Uh, of the outreach person needs to be projected differently, which means if I am giving a live class on a Sunday night and I'm going to invite some people in that class to my Shabbat table on Friday night, um, I now have the possibility of an ongoing online relationship, which I previously would not have had, to fill in those bookends uh, in different ways. And how that looks is different to simply giving classes on Zoom. It has to do, uh, it has to do with with a much broader set of of online tools, and it has to do with understanding what aspect of my relationship with that person am I best off using online uh, as opposed to as opposed to live. Um, that's a that's a whole big uh, talk in and of itself. Um, uh, the, the other aspect of that is that it's absolutely clear to me that to give a talk on Zoom requires, for most people, training. 
Uh, I saw people who were star lecturers live, who did very poorly on Zoom. Um, and I saw the opposite. I saw people who were mediocre in their class presentations who thrived on Zoom. And um, I've spent, um, I've gone on to many Zoom calls uh, given by other people to try and analyze what are the elements that, uh, that are needed in order to make this successful. That's amazing. It makes me smile because, you know, people told me uh, Zoom classes are horrible. It's horrible. It's impossible to engage a classroom of, you know, teenage boys on Zoom. And I said, I said, maybe you're just a bad, maybe you just don't know how to talk. Maybe, you know, if you're talking to, to 16 year old boys, just like we're talking here. Yeah. If I was 16, I don't know if I would pay attention either. So it, it takes from the educator's standpoint, like it takes him to be able to project himself in a way that they can listen. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, in terms of the how to's, that's like a whole new place of like building an online presence, uh, using your online presence appropriately, uh, using private messaging and, 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 uh, instant messaging for people, uh, and staying in touch with people, online etiquette. These are super important. <laughs> that's fascinating. What that, what that brings up as well. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen McCarvin go, go down this road a lot down podcasting. And I think it, it could, um, it could help their organizations, not as a standalone, just, you know, talk like as a class, but as a place to uh, build an audience and, and be engaging as well. Yes. Um, and particularly certain uh, segments, you know, the, the, the most successful podcasters that I've come across are surprisingly uh, in the amongst Russian speaking Jews, um, uh, both in America and in the former Soviet Union that somehow this is a, a, a medium that um, speaks to them uh, and uh, to which they connect in a way that's, that, I, that I haven't seen as successfully done in other cultures, even if they are done at the same standard. So once again, no tool can simply be applied um, just uh, across the board um, without defining and refining and understanding exactly where it's good, uh, to which audience is good, and 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 what does it do? Um, what are you? What are your goals with this thing? As opposed to um, the mistake that many people make, say, "Well, I put out a podcast and two thousand people came on." Well, that's an input variable. Saying that people showed up is part of your input. Uh, what was your output? How did you affect them? How did you move them? What's what will the continuity and their Jewish experience be after that podcast? Right. What, what was something that they found in terms of like Zoom or online teaching that was uh, the, the X factor, something that's very important to, to have to be successful? Well, firstly, um, you need to, you need to uh, call out. Uh, I found uh, a few times during the, during the Zoom call, the names of the people on the, on the call. Now, if you have 2,000 people, you're not going to be able to do that. But let's presume you have an average size class, which is anything between 10 and 30 or 10 and 40 people. Right? So simply doing a roll call and saying, well, you know, what do you think of that? Jane, Fred, Chaim, Levy, right? And, and just read off everybody's name as a, as a very simple a way of people feeling uh, feeling engaged. Secondly, um, building on that, 
if you are giving a podcast and you're putting on materials, besides understanding that the materials that you prepare for, for a Zoom class is not the same as the materials you, pre you prepare for a, for a frontal class. Secondly, as you post that, you are losing all your contact. You're going to see about four people in front of you now, right? Um, and uh, so what, firstly, you have to scroll up and down and see, right, who's there, who's with you. Um, you have to know whether your audience, you know, if you see a bunch of black boxes, for example, right, you have to know how to coax these people out of their black right. boxes. Now, how to get their video on, exactly. Be, some of them are not going to be coaxed because they're sitting in their pajamas, you know, eating their breakfast. Um, and they're not going to be seen, but uh, there, there is an art to doing that. Um, and to getting people, you could just make a rule that you're not going to speak to anybody who's not, uh, who's not showing their video. But these are some of the things that, uh, that would require engagement. I introduce people to each other. I ask people, I say, where are you from? Chicago. And then somebody else will say Chicago. I say, oh, do you people know each other? Jane, do you know, do you know Emma? I said, Jane, you're living in you know, wherever it is, where's Rogers Park? Emma, you're living, right, in Skokie, right? You're five minutes away. You should be getting together. Um, so uh, to create some kind of a group effort, because Zoom tends to be a lonely experience. I come on and other strangers come on and I'm just relating to the speaker and the speaker's not even, you know, connecting with me so much. He's just giving that class. So a lot of it has to do with personalization. Right, which is it's just adaptation because that's what we had to do also, when we were giving classes live, you know, you had people who came in, would walk out, or wouldn't wouldn't be engaged, and you had to do that. But now you just have to learn how to adapt that to a an online yeah. uh, forum as yeah. well. That's yeah. fascinating. That brings me so much joy. In terms of just taking a step back, just to and like to get to know um, you a little bit, what are like svarim or or people or mentors or rabbanim um, that you draw inspiration from? Obviously, it's you know impossible to give if you're not constantly building and growing and we see that so i am just curious to know uh who who you get inf inspiration from historically um i uh coming from south africa i had a lot of south africa was a was a gold mine of uh, being able to get the personalized attention of uh you know of as many rabbis as you wanted it was uh, we were spoiled rotten um <laughs> Um, and uh, not only that, but all, uh, all is too big a word, uh, a wide range of great uh, rabbis from Israel would come to fundraise in South Africa. And um, they also were totally available uh, for uh, interactions. Um, so uh, I, I was, I, in that sense, I was very privileged. Um, I, I, um, merited to be in little groups, we call them chaburas, um, uh, with some of uh, the great rabbis that impacted on my life. Um, I attended uh, talks in the Beis Musar of Ravolbi and had a connection with him. I, Yubar um, uh, I had, uh, I went to a chabura with uh, Rabbi Yonis and David, uh, where he did the Pachad Yitzchak, his uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Kutner's, his, his father-in-law's, that's all, his book. Um, I uh, 
I was in Khabura with Ramosh Shapiro and um, had a lot of contact with Ramosh Shapiro outside of that context uh, because um, firstly, I would um, bring him in for Olami conferences around the world and um, the, the, my Olami involvement led to a lot of interactions with him having to do with issues other than just Torah issues and seeing him in different contexts. Um, more recently, uh, I developed that same relationship with Rav Asha Weiss, um, a person that uh, I, um, I, I so admire and so look up to and have learned so much from. Um, um, I still have a, a connection with my original Rebbe in South Africa, Rav Moshe Shukin, who became, he was the Mashgiach of uh, Yeshivat HaNegev in Nativot. He went back to, to being uh, uh, the Rosh Kedel and the Mashgiach there. And um, uh, we learned for many, many years together, uh, once a week. Um, we used to learn Hasidus uh, in the manner of Tzadok HaKain. Um, and so I've, 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 I've had this very, very broad range of, of different people who've impacted on my life. And I think I've learned a certain amount uh, from all of them I've left out. I wrote in the beginning of my book on the outreach, uh, Laws of Outreach, um, a more comprehensive list of uh, influences on my life. Um, I, feel, I feel very privileged. Uh, to have uh, had those those contexts and exposures, I uh, I had Chabura uh, with uh, Rav uh, given by Rav Simcha Vassimim, that's all. Who also uh, enormously impacted my a Rosh lot of, We have a lot of a Tov to Rav Simcha because of uh, San yeah. Diego. So. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, my Rosh Hashiva, whom I had a lot of contact with, was uh, Rav Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg. That's all. Uh, and. Uh, I kept that connection. I used to go back to him for Shiloh's afterwards. Uh, and uh, so he certainly had a major impact on my life. And and this obviously um, affects and is incorporated in your teaching, the Musar and Machshava. Um, one, can't do, one can't do outreach without that. Right, right, yeah. Um, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that allows, I believe, see, I... I, I believe in tinkering with the delivery mechanisms online, presentation, etc., but never with the Torah itself. The Torah itself needs to be full throttled. Uh, I give the same talk uh, to beginners as I would to an advanced audience. I, I use more English. I make sure they understand the background to a concept, uh, but I never compromise the message. Right, that's something I, I grew up very fond of that, you know, that was the message always growing up is we could have, um, often we've, we had visitors from New York visiting for Shabbos and they would they would come to the drasha and they would, you know, handle it and they would come to my father after the drasha and they would say, and and also the guy who drove there for Shabbos would come over and say, you know, powerful drasha, Rob, like that really changed my Shabbos and you would have both and we see it today also, just I podcast with my father a bit and uh, we see the range of people who could listen? I think that just speaks to the fact that the Torah itself is unadulterated and it's pure. And when that's being given over, and again, the mechanisms of delivery are going to change. Yes. 
this guy's in the same boat as I am. We're, we're doing the same thing. We're learning the same Torah. We're teaching the same Torah. It could be the people we're teaching are different, but um, the, the Torah is the same. The, the second book, The Human Challenge. Yes, I, I've done an interesting thing with uh, this book. Um, I took uh, 750 copies um, and um, I'm giving them out to um, students at Neve and other places and um, when the groups will come back uh, on the following terms. Uh, the student has to read 140 pages in two weeks, which is the, a rate of 10 pages a day. If they fall short, they, uh, they either have to give the book back um, or they have to buy the book at a significantly reduced rate uh, because they, they're buying it from me. Um, and um, I have uh, given out... Um, to this school and, and, and some others, uh, ran about 60 books in the last, uh, well, I didn't do it over Pesach, so within a two-week period. Of the 60 books that were given out, 57 students met the challenge. Uh, two, um, two read slower, they failed the challenge and bought the book. Um, one was leaving the country and, and said uh, she was wanted to travel light and she would, but she will buy the book when it hits the stores in, in LA. Um, so um, I found that with Judaism in general, um, the issue is, I'll put it in the words of the late Robert Kaplan, who was a person who came close, he was a Baal to Judaism, but at the stage where he was not yet at that stage, he was a, he was a public relations, uh, graphic designer, et cetera, uh, media person. He said, uh, Judaism is this beautiful garden. The entrance to the garden is all overgrown with thorns. And um, people are reluctant to walk through that gate. But if you could only get them to the other side, um, they'd see this uh, magnificent, magnificent garden. So how do you get to walk them through? What do we do about the gate? Uh, That's so, the um, that, that is the challenge, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, so in the case of my book, right, I, I, I felt that if a student would read or anybody would read, a, an adult would read 140 pages of the book, I don't have to worry about the rest of the book. Uh, they walk through the gate <laughs> and... Uh, the book can now speak on its own merits. It doesn't require an external motivation anymore. That's amazing. Does it go through the Magal Shana, like the, the Yam, Yam no. Tovim? No. How is no. it structured the then? The book is structured in, uh, as, I, as I outline at the beginning, I'm just opening the book to get the exact wording that I used, um, into four different categories. Uh, these are not, as we say, this is not the way, you know, this is my own, my own uh, way of capturing Judaism. But uh, my four sections are a purposeful life, which deals with all the big questions, our relationship with God, with choice, with freedom, with passion, uh, with um, uh, holiness. Second, second section is holiness. Uh, 
I define holiness in general. I define how it's generated. Um, I define how holiness exists in the material world, and then I go on to holiness of the of the commandments, holiness of the of the Sabbath. Uh, I do not deal with the festivals in my book. Um, uh, a big challenge of this book was uh, keeping it short enough. Right. <laughs> um, the third section is wisdom. Um, I deal with the idea of wisdom in general in Judaism, uh, with the wisdom of the Torah, with the wisdom of the oral law, with the wisdom of the Kabbalah, with uh, the wisdom of the mind, darts, chokhmah bin adat, the wisdom of the, of, the, of the mind, of the heart, and, and of action, of integration, etc. Various different types of wisdoms, the wisdom of questions, um, the, uh, the wisdom of, of protest and silence. And then my final section is patterns of growth. Really, um, firstly, a, a brief uh, set of methodologies um, of, uh, of how Judaism proposes we grow and develop, and then uh, specific character traits, midot, um, the midah of, of, of giving, of mercy, of... Um, of um, modesty, of uh, uh, humility, uh, of sensuality. Um, that's the, the structure of the book. Uh, chapters are short, um, in all but two exceptions, below 2,000 words, which is unusually short for a, for a book form. Um, but uh, bearing in mind uh, contemporary audiences, I felt that I was best off um, keeping things short, even if I had to take a lot of things out to get uh, below my self-imposed uh, limit. And I, I know we spoke to this a little bit, but who is the um, who would be your intended audience for it, and and who would you be uh, pleasantly surprised if would read it as well? So my intended audience is somebody who already has engaged Judaism at some level. Um, but is not yet committed um, or has just recently, recently committed, but has been somebody who's gone to a class once a week for a year or two, right? But still doesn't know how all the pieces are put together um, and uh, wants, to, wants to get something which, which shows them a big picture. That's my ideal intended audience. It's, it has to be a, an adult. Um, it's written... Um, in a readable style, but as per our previous part of this podcast, uh, without any condescension. So um, it's it's not an easy read. You can't lie on your couch with one eye open as you're dozing off and read it. Um, that's uh, that's the core the core book. Now, I would be pleasantly surprised. Um, if uh, more advanced audiences read it, because I put together subjects that they probably, uh, a lot of the that in, unintended audience has scatterings and smatterings of, but I haven't put them together in, 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 in one whole. So these chapters, a lot of work, you know, when, you, when you're trying to say, well, what is the essence of something? And you've got to do it in 2000 words, and you've got to give a whole picture um, right, I found that I had to work very hard to work through issues that I thought 
I had mastered a long time ago uh, to get to the essence of something. So I, I, it certainly, and I've already uh, had a few such uh, feedbacks from people of that sort. Um, but uh, that wouldn't be my most pleasant surprise. My most pleasant surprise would be if people further out, uh, people who had not yet engaged in Judaism, found this book uh, inspiring and, and informing. And welcoming, right? And welcoming. What would be, what would, if you would underlie for all these three categories of people, but what would be like the underlying message that you, uh, that you want someone to come away with from, from reading the book? I ordered the book specifically uh, as I did um, because I wanted somebody to start off with, um, let's call them the bigger philosophical issues and to end off which is the last section of the book, with translating that into uh, their own personal growth. Um, and so the bottom line message is Judaism is all about integration, or it's all about you and Judaism. Judaism is not a separate category, something out there. Judaism is something that um, can only be defined in terms of you, you Judaism, so to speak. Is there, if there's anything else the Rev wants to say about about the uh, about the book or about uh, in general message to the listeners? Okay, um, uh, I just want to say that um, my Judaism, after many decades on this earth, um, is still inspiring. Uh, it's still relevant. It's still growth provoking. Um, it's still something which absolutely informs my identity every day of the year. And um, I wouldn't have dared to write such a book uh, had I not felt that way personally about it, had I not been so passionate. Um, what I tried to do uh, in this book, uh, albeit for a specific audience, um, was to communicate um, and share some of that passion that I have with others. And if um, I succeed in doing that, I will regard it as an enormous privilege. Wow. Yeshukar, thank you. Thank you very much. I feel that this, uh, this is going to be a little bit of a Musser uh, book for me to re-listen to this and to, uh, to take the, the messages. It's very, uh, very important. Yes, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Uh.